Well, good morning, everybody. How is 11 a.m.? Whoa. Okay. Who enjoyed the kids today, the program? Yes. That's always one of my favorite things that we do every year. Um, if you saw the wise man that was hopping around, um, that was our little boy. I'll get to why he was hobbling around in a minute in my message. Um, but experiencing, if you guys have any children in your life, whether it's your own kids, you have nieces and nephews, or you're just serving in kids' church, but when you experience Christmas with kids in your life, do they not just make it so much more fun? The, watching it through their eyes just makes it so much more special. Um, they just amplify it. Just watching um, their excitement is so contagious for us. I think that's probably the most exciting part about Christmas morning is watching the kids and just how they receive it. But then it's so much more special to watch them tell us the story about how Jesus was born. You know, they don't probably even know all, every single detail of the story, let alone realize the significance of each single detail that God worked out. You know, Pastor Kelly's been in this series, Unwrapped, and he's talked about, you know, how God chose the shepherds, the wise men, where Jesus was born, all of these important details that don't seem important, but God specifically picked those for a, spe for a special reason. Um, and even though these children, they don't really understand the magnitude of it. They don't realize every detail, but they still get to worship our Father. This morning, what they, they were doing, they were just glorifying God and um, worshiping Him. Um, and we're just the same way. You know, even if we don't fully understand what God is doing, even if we don't fully understand um, everything that He's done, you know, no matter how much you know about the Bible, no matter how old you get and how wise you get, we'll never understand the full glory of God until we get to heaven. We just continually learning, and we'll never get his magnitude until we get to heaven one day. But this time of year, you know, it's known to be a magical time of year. It's a special time of year. Um, and I think when you um, think of the magic of Christmas, what makes Christmas so special? Why is it so magical? Um, I think we kind of get two categories. You know, we have our secular Christmas. That's all of our Christmas traditions, all the classic Christmas movies, all the Hallmark movies, drinking hot chocolate, going to see Christmas lights, giving gifts, um, all of these things, getting together with family, all of these are kind of our secular Christmas things, things that we just do every year. And then we also have a, this category over here. This is our Christian Christmas. You know, this is where we do reflect on the birth of Jesus. We reflect on the hope that was brought, the joy that was brought. You know, we'll sing a couple songs, Silent Night, Mary, Did You Know? We'll do special services like this. But I think the issue that a lot of us come to, a lot of us are in this Christmas, is that we have separated Christmas into two categories. You know, at church on Sunday morning, we'll celebrate our Christian version. We do reflect. We do are thankful for the hope. We're thankful for the joy. We're thankful for everything. But then once we leave these walls on Sunday, we kind of forget about all that Christmas is about, and then we move on into our secular you know, I think a lot of times Santa, the Grinch, all these things are talked about more than the significance of Christmas and what this season means. Now, don't get me wrong. We love Santa, the Grinch. All of these traditions are great things. Um, but I think what has happened is we've not combined these two worlds. We've not combined what this season really means to our life. We've not had that personal application of the hope and the joy that we're supposed to be carrying this Christmas season. 
We love the Christmas season. We have tons of traditions as a family. Um, we get a real tree every day, or every day. I said that last service too. Every, uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving. So every day, the day after Thanksgiving, we get our tree. We're not team decorate after Christmas. That's just when our tree farm opens up every year. Um, but we love to go ice skating, all the holiday gatherings, all of these different things. Um, so there's a lot of good in the Christmas season. There's a lot of fun memories. But I think a lot of you guys have realized probably this season, there are some disadvantages. There are some hard things that we face at Christmas time. Um, and the thing is about Christmas, it tends to amplify any issue that you have in your life. Um, for example, financially, if you've been struggling financially, maybe you've been getting by paycheck to paycheck, or you just can't really seem to get ahead, and then Christmas comes into play. Now you have to buy all these gifts. You already have the pressure of finding the perfect gift, doing all these things, but then to be able to afford to even buy these gifts. So if you're struggling financially, that stress is amplified this time of year. Or maybe in your marriage, you know, this is a busy season, just all the things that we have to do, that we want to do, all the stress on top of the normal everyday stress on a marriage, if you have issues in your marriage, that's going to be amplified. You know, just the busy schedule within itself. You know, a lot of us are busy people in general. Add on all the holiday activities, all the gatherings. Um, even though those can be good things, we get so tired, we get so burnt out that we're losing the joy of the season. You know, just in general, everywhere you go is crowded. If you just need to run into a store and buy something, that's almost impossible this time of year. Everywhere is packed out. There's crowds. There's traffic. Um, and then some more serious issues. You know, family gatherings. A lot of times Christmas is the only time you get together as a family, everybody getting together. If there's any issues within the family, if there's um, that person that you really don't want to see, you guys are all stuck in a room together, and there becomes to amplify those issues. Um, or if you're on the other side of the spectrum, loneliness. Maybe you've been feeling like no one cares about you, that no one has time for you, that you don't matter. This season, if you've been feeling that way, it, it tends to be amplified because everybody's busy with their own family. They're busy doing that. So loneliness begins to creep in when this should be a season of hope. That's the whole reason. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is our Savior was born for us. We should be walking around with a peace, knowing that he is Emmanuel. Matthew 1, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This season, instead of seeing all these issues that are amplified, we should be applying that personal connection. When we have these two categories, here's our Christ Christian Christmas or our secular Christmas. When we're not applying the hope of the Christmas season to our lives, that's when all that stress, all those amplified issues begin to be too much. But if we begin to remember what this season is about, it is a season celebrating that God provided a way. He really did do what he said he was going to do. But the problem is we've compartmentalized our faith. We said, well, here's God over here. Here's my hope on Sunday. But then we have all these other categories of issues, all these other things that we keep facing, we keep struggling with, and we've not personally applied this hope. We've not personally applied this peace, this God with us to our own lives. We've not applied it to our own stress. So today, um, I want to look at the most important part of the nativity, and I think you guys will all agree. I want to look at baby Jesus. Pastor Kelly has been unwrapping the Christmas story. We've looked at different areas, um, the shepherds, the wise men, and I'm going to follow along with that theme and look at why a baby? Why would God choose to send a baby? 
You know, if he wanted to save his people, if he wanted to send us a savior, why would he not send us a man? Why would he not do something else but a baby? A baby's a lot of work. If anybody's had a baby in their life, they can't really do a whole lot when they're first born. They're actually, you're having to do a lot for them. There's a lot of requirements and responsibility. And I think that, you know, the people had to, had to be confused. They had to be wondering what was happening, but God had a bigger plan. He had a bigger purpose in play. So when we look at that baby, when you look at those things that are handed to us this season, begin to look to see what God is wanting to do because God's plans take time. A baby, it took a lot of time for that baby to turn into a man to die on the cross and do all that Jesus did for us, but he did it. And I think that's what we need to remember in our own lives today, that God may take some time, but don't think that he's not moving. He may hand you the baby, may, not a real baby, but a spiritual baby. Um, he may hand you something that doesn't look like what you think it should be. It doesn't look like what God should be doing, but begin to seek him out and have faith that he is making a way, that God has a plan in motion. It may not be a quick fix, but God is making a way. So I, want, I just have um, two simple reasons. This is not a typical Amanda message. I like to have like all of my points, fill-ins, all that. I just have two fill-ins today. Um, so you're welcome. I'll get you out of here early. Um, but your first fill-in is to fulfill every prophecy that was spoken. Why did God send a baby? Why did God do it this way? The first one, very simple, to fulfill every prophecy that was spoken. Matthew 5, 17 through 18, this is Jesus speaking. It says, if you think I've come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, you're mistaken. I have come to bring perfection, all that has been written. Indeed, I assure you, as long as heaven and earth endure, not even the smallest detail of the law will be done away with until its purpose is complete. If you look at the book, um, it's called Why the Nativity by David Jeremiah. Um, he offers these reflections. It's a little long, so just bear with me. It says, just when people most needed hope, God sent spokesmen to offer a foretaste of a better future. Throughout the words and work of the prophets, there were glimmers of a savior, a king who would rescue his people and restore them to God. In fact, there were more than 300 specific prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures about the promised Messiah, as they called him. Can you see that picture emerge? It was as if many different artists had drawn a strange squiggle on a paper separately, only to find that when their fragments of art were combined on a single canvas, there was a beautiful portrait of a kind we would come to know as Jesus Christ says there are more than 300 prophecies about Jesus, about who he would be in the Old Testament. Um, these prophecies are so specific that the mathematically probability of any of these happening is basically impossible. Um, there was a study. They took only eight. So there's over 300 of the Bible. But they took eight specific prof prophecies and began to study the probability of those coming true. Um, and they come to the conclusion that it was one in 10 to the 17th power, um, I have the number for you because it's a lot of zeros, 17 zeros. Um, this is 100 quadrillion. That is the probability of just eight of those prophecies coming to pass. But instead, we have 300 prophecies about who Jesus was, what he would do, and all of those came to pass. Is that not amazing? Is God not cool? And I think that goes not only to show how good God is, 
but he cares about the details. Every detail that was spoken about Jesus, every word that was said about who he was in the Bible that we have. So A, that shows that our Bible is pretty important. It has a lot of good knowledge in there. When we begin to look at it, God cares about each and every word that was written in that book. But also, he cares about every detail in your life. Every detail matters to God. And um, if you are close to us, a lot of us on Wednesday not heard about this, but the Harris family has had a little bit of a crazy week. Um, So on Monday, Pastor Kelly said, I feel like Holy Spirit's wanting to use you. Would you like to speak? Typically, I I mean, I always say yes. I don't think I have the option to say no. Um, (laughs) But I always say yes, and I'm a little just... I want to study. I, want, I just realized the weight, the importance of coming up here. And, you know, I just put a lot of work into it. So I was just stressed over it more than I should. Um, but I was actually very excited. I was like, you know, I don't have a busy week. I can, I can do this. I'm excited to see what God wants to do. So that was Monday. And then on Tuesday, all of a sudden, Ben was at work. I was at home. All of a sudden, we get sick at the very same time. We have different symptoms. I don't, I don't know what it was, a stomach bug, part of the flu. I don't know. But so Tuesday, we were down for the count. Wednesday, we still felt weird, but we were recovering. He went on to work. Um, He came home a little early just trying to rest. And then I went to milk the cow because that's what farmers do. Um, (laughs) And then he called me and said, hey, I think we might have to take Judah to go get stitches. And then if you know me, I'm a very independent, do-it-myself type of person. I was like, probably not. You know, we can figure this out. So I go look at it. Um, and then I called my doctor, she, or my, my cousin, she is a doctor. And then she said, you may need to take it because it was on the bottom of his foot. Um, just go ahead and take him in. But the children's hospital has an urgent care clinic. Um, so they'll get you in and out a lot faster. We've used it and you should be in and out within an hour. So we're like, okay, we head to Knoxville. Um, we get to the urgent care center. There was only two or three kids ahead of us. So, you know, we were thinking we'd be in and out. I really thought that we'd get to swing by church. I just, I didn't think it would take too long. Um, two hours later, we finally make it back into the um, office. And then the nurse says, oh, this might be too deep. and uh, You may have to go to the ER. So mind you, this was after eight o'clock. On any normal night, we want to be in bed by eight o'clock. Um, so I was already just very tired. We didn't have sleep the day before where we were sick. So I, I think at this point I was doing worse than Judah. You know, he was fine. I'm like, I need to go home. I want to be in bed. I'm tired of waiting. Um, but anyways, the doctor comes in. They said, yeah, you'll have to go into the ER. It's too deep. So we're kind of frustrated by the time we get to the ER. Um, it's after nine o'clock, I think almost 10 o'clock. If anyone has been to the ER, the children's ER during flu season, um, it is a war zone. It is terrifying. Um, there are sick kids everywhere. Literally, um, if you, I don't even know if they have movies with ERs, but they're crying babies everywhere. Um, it was literally just everywhere, sick babies. They were taking us for, um, forever to get us signed in. The nurse kept, there was actually a baby. They had him behind the desk, but they kept checking his oxygen because his oxygen was bad, but they didn't have room to get him back into the doctor yet. So they, they were just, it was crazy. Um, and then all of a sudden we hear, we were right behind the entrance and we hear a woman yelling, help, help. And then we turn around and she's carrying in her lifeless infant. Um, and then immediately, Ben and I begin to pray and just lift, pointing our hands, praying out loud, just believing that he would have life, he would have breath in his lungs. Um, they take him back, and then a few minutes later, a nurse comes back and says that he was breathing, that, you know, he's got oxygen now. And the only thing that we could think at that point, you know, 
all, all of the chaos of the day. You know, I don't think God allowed Judah to get a cut on his foot so we would be in the ER, but I think he allowed our circumstances. He allows those details of my life to get me here. Maybe we had to leave urgent care to get to the ER to pray over this baby. And, you know, for all I know, he may have been breathing. Our prayers may have done nothing, but I would like to believe that God used us to speak life into him, that that baby is breathing and God used us. So it could have been, and then just after we prayed over that, it was amazing how fast we got out of the ER. Literally, the other people, they'd been waiting for like three hours to even get sent back. And then the nurse said, hey, I think I have a doctor who can just get you through and sew you up. So within an hour, we were out of the ER and got to go home. It was still after midnight, but I'll take it. Um, But I really think God does care about each and every detail. All these circumstances that are thrown at us, I think... There's some way that God wants to use us. There's some way that God are going to use these things to build our character, to build our faith, to use us to pray over somebody. Um, Even in that frustration, God cares about those details. And the important thing to know is that the enemy could quickly flip it. Um, We've had a crazy month. If you guys know, a few weeks ago, um, Eleanor, our two-year-old, got all of her hair cut off. Um, Not by choice. Um, So I, And then we had to go to the ER, but I could have been... Just so frustrated at God. You know, Holy Spirit, why why didn't you nudge me to go check on them when he was cutting their hair? Why didn't you stop him from cutting your hair? Why didn't you do this? And now Judah's headed to the ER. Do you not care about me? Are you not here with me? Why, Why is nothing happening? And the enemy wants you to flip those situations. He is going to try to flip those situations. And you have to choose in your mind that you know God's character. That you know that he is good. You know that he is going to make a way. And you have to trust who he is in your life. If you read Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. You may feel like God doesn't care about you. You may feel like everything is working against you, but you have to choose to trust him. Even with the circumstances piling up, even with all these things coming at you, you have to begin to put your faith in him. You have to begin to have a hope that God is doing something. This Christmas season, that's what Christmas is all about, that there is a hope in our lives, that God is with us, that he does do what he says he's going to do. So if you're tired of living your life in these categories of, well, here's my church face and here's all my frustrations, begin to personally apply these things to your life. Put Jesus at the center. Allow him to come in and bring that hope, to bring that joy that he wants to do. Because during those seasons, he may just be building your character. He may be building your faith, but don't allow that season to go to waste. Don't allow these things that happen because... Life just happens sometimes, but God can use those for his good. Sometimes things happen, but God wants to use them. He works all things, all things for the good that that love him. So if you want to begin this mess that is in your life, this, these things that keep happening, if you begin to allow God to work, if you begin to look to God, he's going to use those to build your character, to build your faith, to pray over somebody, whatever it is, begin to trust him, begin to seek him out. And my next point, why, why would God send a baby? Why did he choose to send a baby? It was unexpected. 
unexpected. If you've been a follower of Christ long, you have learned that he does the unexpected. You think he's going to do something, and then he does something completely different. But he's going to do something. The people were looking for a Savior. They were looking for someone to come rescue them. Not, not a baby. You know, if God wanted to, he could have sent Jesus as an adult. He could have done whatever he wanted to do because he's God. But he chose to send a baby. And I think it was because that's not what the people thought it would be like. They had to have faith because they weren't looking for a baby, let alone the Savior of the world to be born surrounded by livestock in a manger. That was unexpected. That's inconvenient. But those people, they had to have the faith to believe that this baby really was the Messiah. This is what the angel said. This is what this person said. And they had to make a choice. And you guys get to make a choice today about your faith. Do you believe that God really is who he says he is? Do you really believe that he is going to make a way that he is good? We begin to look at Mary's perspective. And this is Luke 1 verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, if I'm Mary, I'm sure she's a little shaken up, but I would begin to think, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant with the King of Kings, the Messiah. I bet this is going to be the best pregnancy ever. This is going to be the easiest birth. God, God is going to set me up. He says I'm highly favored. I bet I'm going to be set up in a palace somewhere. I mean, he is going to be on the throne one day. I am, I'm carrying royalty. So I'm, I should be in a palace somewhere, right? But then they get to Bethlehem, and there isn't anywhere for them. There's, God hasn't even set aside a, a little room somewhere, let alone a palace. And then I'm sure she had to think, but I'm, I'm supposed to be highly favored. I'm supposed to be chosen by God. I'm supposed to have the Messiah. So why, why is there not a place for me? Why did God not make a way? Why, why is this not working out? And I think we get so caught up in what we think our situation should look like that we miss out on what God is wanting to do. We get so caught up in this picture of what this should be, how this should be, how God is going to move that we're missing God working in our lives. We're missing him moving in our lives. And I think this is my last villain. Um, sometimes we have to choose the hard, faith-filled path over the easy path. If Bob wants to go ahead and come up. We have to choose that hard path that is full of faith. We have to choose that path that takes a lot of work, that takes courage, that takes trust over the easy path. Because the easy path it may seem easy at first, but it turns out that we're carrying some bitterness. We're carrying unforgiveness, resentment, frustration to God. It may seem easy, but that path is actually pretty dark. It's pretty isolating. But if we choose the hard path, the one that takes faith, the one that takes trust in God, I can guarantee that he is going to make a way for you. And there's going to be a peace that doesn't make sense on that path. God is going to make a way. When I was, the, really since, as soon as Pastor Kelly asked me to speak, I felt like 
um, that God really wanted to restore some family relationships this Christmas season. Um, Whatever that looks like for you, I'm sure you know as soon as I say that. But I think a lot of us have chose to hold on. Maybe you didn't physically choose or say, I choose to hold on to this hurt, but we've carried some hurts. We've had some offenses. And instead of allowing Christ to begin to change our heart, and hopefully that's going to lead to some action change within us. And then hopefully that's going to change the heart of the person that offended you. I read this quote a few, some point this year, and it's really stuck with me. It says, your level of offense reflects your level of maturity. Your level of offense, how much you're offended by something, reflects your level of maturity. With so many varying beliefs this time and age, um, you're gonna have the opportunity for conflict at Christmas. You know, you're gonna be gathered around a lot of people with families all have different beliefs. Everybody has their own opinion this time of year. Um, And you're gonna have a choice of what you wanna share, what you wanna bring to the table. I mean, I feel like the Lord is saying, don't let petty things get in the way of the hope and joy we're supposed to be sharing this season. Don't let those petty things, those little opinions, those sly little comments that you wanna say, get in the way of showing the love that Jesus wants you to share this season. Um, I think we get so consumed with sharing our own opinion that we're not sharing the gospel. You know, me and Ben are very passionate about what we eat, how we eat um, raw milk, how we raise our kids. You know, there's so many things that I wanna share my opinion on, I want people to be educated on. But at the end of the day, if the people I'm surrounded by don't experience the love of Jesus, none of my opinions matter. None of those things matter. They need to be seeing the love of Jesus. It doesn't matter what they choose to believe if they're not choosing to follow Jesus. We're so consumed with our opinions. We're so consumed with pushing our agenda that we're missing on sharing that hope that we're supposed to have this Christmas season. I mean, I think an important key note on that is even if everybody at your Christmas table, everybody you're surrounded with are Christians, they still need to be experiencing the love and the compassion that they need to receive. Because if you've been a Christian long, I'm sure you've realized that you need grace and compassion too. So no matter who you're around this season, no matter what you are facing, if you really wanna be living a life with Jesus at the center, if you don't wanna have your life compartmentalized, if you want Jesus to be flowing through you, We have to begin to walk like Jesus. We have to begin to look like Him. We have to begin to show that grace and compassion, even when it's a hard choice, even when it's hard to keep your mouth closed, or maybe He's nudging you to speak something kind or speak something loving. Whatever He's nudging you to do, I encourage you to keep pressing on, to keep trusting Him, that in that unexpected season, in those things that you don't wanna do, the hard path, God is going to make a way. God is going to use it to build your character. Maybe that person, that family member doesn't receive anything, but it's gonna build up your faith. It's gonna build up your character. If we wanna start living our lives with the hope of Jesus at the center, instead of just a category, we have to look like Jesus. We have to show his love and mercy. And I know it's a lot easier to get up here and stand up here and to say, well, don't be offended. Just forgive them, move on, show love. I know it's a lot harder than that. I know there's some people in this room that have experienced a lot of hurt this year. They've experienced brokenness in their families like they never imagined. But don't miss out on what God is wanting to do because it doesn't look like it should 
because it doesn't look like what you thought it should be. God wants to make a way. The people at the people were looking for a savior and instead he had this precious baby and I know that you guys have been looking for God to move you've been thinking that he's going to move and instead well here this is this isn't this isn't God this there's no way God's going to make this work there's no way there's going to be something different here but God is saying trust me trust that I am making a way trust that this is going to be your answer a baby doesn't seem like the answer to all the problems a baby doesn't seem like the savior of the world but trust Him. Trust that He is making a way. Don't allow the circumstances that you have been put in, the, the things of life that, have, that you've experienced to begin to ruin the beauty that you see in God. I think a lot of us have kind of gotten edgy. Our hearts have been hardened because life has happened. The song they're about to sing, it's called Wonder. Um, it talks about never losing your wonder. May we be just like a child staring at the beauty of our King. When we have faith like children, those kids got up here and worship the innocence, the joy. Um, it's just so beautiful to watch them worship. But at some point along the way in life, we have to grow up and become adults. We're not children anymore. We realize that life isn't always easy that sometimes people make bad choices that affect your life. Some people have had to grow up before, while they were still kids. And I think we've gotten a tainted view of who God is. We've got a tainted view of His character because of what has happened. Because these kids that get up here, you know, we tell them that God is awesome and magnificent and they believe it. We tell them that God loves them, that He is good and they believe it because they haven't experienced anything else yet. But somewhere along the way in life, life happens and then you begin to say well is god good is god for me is he is he really making a way because it doesn't look like it i mean i'm you say that i'm favored but i don't feel very favored i don't have the palace that i think i should be in i don't have what i think it should look like and i think what god is wanting to remind us all those things that we once believed about god that he is good that he is worthy to be praised all those things are still true our Father has not changed. When you first accepted Him into your life, when you first realized your need for Him, maybe you were a child or later on in life, but when you first fell in love with Him, all, His character has not changed. But we have allowed our unmet expectations to change how we view Him. We've allowed life to change who God is. We have lost our wonder. So I'm gonna have Sheridan sing this song and just Reflect on who God is in your life. I think so many times we look at the pile of all the ways God didn't come through. We look at all the things that didn't happen the way it should have, the things that still aren't resolved. Here we are year after year and nothing changes. But I wanna encourage you, I wanna push you to begin to look at the other side. What are all the good things that God has given you? Where, where has God been good in your life? What miracles have you experienced? So as she sings this, just begin to think about the wonder and just how beautiful God is.